thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. The Real Food Real is a fresh and educational podcast dedicated to your health. We get real on current research, debunk food myths, and educate you on how to just eat real food. Your host, Steph Lowe, the natural nutritionist, is one of Australia's leading sports nutritionists, passionate about simplifying nutrition and addicted to coconut lattes, smoothies, and sweet potato. If you love the show, then please leave us a review on iTunes. Share the real food reel with your friends and continue to spread the real food love. Team and welcome to the Real Food Real. Today on the show, we are joined by Damon Gamo, producer and actor of That Sugar Film. That Sugar Film is a unique experiment that documents the effects of a high sugar diet on a healthy body. Where over 60 days, Damon consumes the Australian average of 40 teaspoons of sugar per day. The catch is he eats only foods that are commonly perceived as healthy. The results are proof of the message that we have been delivering for years. Sugar is the problem, and packaged food products, as a rule, are not healthy. Let's find out more about that sugar film and why this project is already taking Australia by storm, even though cinnamon tours have only just commenced. Hi, Damon, and thanks for your time today. Hello, Steph. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to have you on the show, and let's dive straight in. So I know that that sugar film tours cinemas in March, so most people that probably have only been following, say, pre-release information and social media. I've seen the film myself, but for those that haven't, can you give us a little bit of a summary and your why for producing the film? Well, uh, it basically came about, I guess the seed of the film actually started about six years ago when I met my girlfriend, and at the time I was pretty much a guy who loved drinking vanilla Coke and eating pizza and, and having cigarettes. And as often happens with a man when he's trying to impress a woman, he pretends to be interested in things that she really likes. And uh, Zoe really enjoyed kind of cucumber and kale smoothies and sort of organic chia seed dips on avocado, all these kind of foods that I'd never heard of. But in the first two, probably two months of our relationship, I really pretended to enjoy those things in a bid to impress her and um, noticed that I, I guess I started just lowering my refined sugar intake and didn't think much of it, but certainly noticed that my moods felt a bit more consistent. I felt more level-headed and people were starting to comment on my eyes and my skin or just saying, that, oh, you look well. And I really didn't think anything of it and, and it went on for about three years eating like this. And then I just won a short film competition called Tropfest and I was in India making a film because I was an actor and uh, the company Mad Men said to me, look, do you want to make a, fe- a feature film? And I thought, well, there's something in this sugar story and there was more and more press starting to come out about sugar but the camps are very divided in terms of the opinion and I thought well it's hard for the public to actually get a clear message about what's going on so I thought maybe I could actually do an experiment on my own body and see what sugar does and I guess because of the the colors and the aesthetic and all the neon world of sugar is very willy wonka and playful that it really does lend itself to a very fun sort of adventure that could be aimed at families and kids so that's kind of how it started and then I guess we all inherently know somewhere that if we have too many M&Ms and Fanta, we're going to get sick. We kind of know that that kind of sugar isn't good for us. But I guess what I was really surprised about when I started reading was just starting to notice the level of hidden sugars that people might not be aware of. And I guess that's the main hook of the film is that I don't have any soft drink, chocolate, ice cream or lollies. I have no junk food. And for 60 days, I eat what the average Australian eats, which is about 40 teaspoons of sugar. 
And I was not eating, eating foods like low-fat yogurts and cereals and muesli bars and sports drinks and vitamin waters. And often these products have got, you know, slogans splashed across the front that say, you know, Mother Nature's bounty and there's pictures of sunsets and bees and flowers and we think they're healthy foods, but quite often they're actually full of sugar. So I thought it would be interesting to see what happens if I only ate those foods to see what would happen to my body. And um, as people will see in the film, it's quite shocking actually and, and none of us expect, not even the doctors and the scientists that were monitoring my body, no one thought that we'd get the results that we did in such a quick time. Yeah, I agree. And so what was the biggest shock? You know, most of our listeners are already following a real food lifestyle. So I don't think the just rights or the up and goes are going to be too much of a surprise. (laughs) But what perceived healthy food did you have no idea contained that much sugar? Oh, look, I mean, I was pretty naive to a lot of that stuff, but I think it was just more the drinks. Like I couldn't believe that, you know, Lipton iced tea had as much sugar in it as Coke or that, you know, these flavoured milks or, you know, those sports drinks, the Powerades and the Gatorades have got nine teaspoons of sugar in them. So, you know, I guess that was a big surprise. Also condiments, things like, um, you know, one tablespoon of barbecue sauce has two teaspoons of sugar in it. Um, tomato soup, baked beans. I mean, why do these things need sugar in them? You know, I've, I've since learned that it's a great preservative for food, so it, it creates a shelf life. But, you know, they were the big surprises early on. And then I guess more for your, for your listeners, the two biggest shocks that happened throughout, throughout the film was probably the effects on my moods and my ability to focus and concentrate. And, you know, there's lots of science now saying that, you know, food plays such a pivotal role in mental health and our ability to think clearly and, and, and be focused. And I certainly experienced that, that, I was fine once I had the sugar. I'd be able to concentrate for about 45 minutes and then I'd start to crash and I'd feel a bit lethargic and vague out a bit until I had the sugar again and I'd be back up again. And we know now that that's sort of a form of hyperglycemia. And when we do crash, the brain kicks in with these chemicals that can promote fight or flight. So we get um, anxious or nervous or we can feel a bit irritable. You know, and that really makes me think of kids and, you know, that might be having that just right, you know, healthy perceived breakfast that their parents are giving them. And then they're wondering why they can't concentrate and sit still at 9.15 in the classroom. And I think that's an issue that really needs to come out of this film in, in, in that role of sugar and mental health. Um, and secondly, I guess the biggest shock was the calorie count that I, you know, I had no idea about calories. It's not something I'd ever counted or looked at before, but I understand now that there's, you know, nine calories per, of, uh, per gram of fat and only four of sugar. So I can understand why we're told to eat, you know, less fat but that we actually need those fats to feel full and satiated and healthy, those healthy fats. Um, and that was a big shock for me, that I ate the same amount of calories during the experiment as I'd eaten in my pre-experiment diet. So really what we know now is that this, um, I guess the fructose in particular in sugar, it metabolizes in our body in a very unique way and it affects our biochemistry unlike any other food. And for me, it turned to fat in my liver. I got fatty liver disease after only 18 days. And then that fat in the liver starts to pour out into other parts of your body and that's when you get the insulin sensitivity, that's when you get the heart disease risk factors, all the symptoms that we're seeing in society now, which is leading a lot of scientists to believing that sugar is one of, if not the major culprit in a lot of these metabolic diseases. Yeah, absolutely. And I absolutely loved the calorie message and I was really grateful that you did include that in in the film because, you know, I think... That's one of the big myths of the last 40 years that the world has been thinking that the answer to health and wellness is calories in versus calories out. And we've certainly disproven yeah. that in recent years, but the message isn't still filtering downstream. So I'm really glad that you kept that, um, that intake consistent in the experiment so we can really show that, um, you know, with the proof in the pudding, so to speak. 
Yeah, that's yeah, that's right. So, to put, and look, I, I think what's interesting there is that you have to understand that that is a message about the calories. That's it's almost become dogma, but it's also pushed by the food industry. That you know, I I even looked at documents from a guy named Fred Stair who we talked about in the film who was you know outed years um, after um, I guess giving evidence at a certain uh, investigation into sugar that he was taking money from the beverage industry. He took money from tobacco to publish a study saying that there was no effect of tobacco on heart disease and. This guy is the same guy in the 1970s that sort of put out this statement saying that all calories are equal, whether it's from starch or sugar or fat or broccoli, they are all equal. And I think that really became a law for people. And, you know, what it did for the food industry was meant that, hey, you can have whatever you want of our products. It's actually up to you. It's your responsibility because as long as you're counting the calories, you will be fine. You can eat whatever you want. And if you get fat or you get sick, it's actually your fault because you didn't get the calorie count right. And I guess I'm hoping that we can really move away from that paradigm because it's so unfair for people that think they're doing the right thing and are counting these calories, whereas what we know now is that the sugar behaves very differently. In fact, most foods behave very differently when they're in the body and, and calories aren't, in fact, equal at all. Yeah, absolutely. And I think when you really break it down, it is common sense. Obviously, broccoli behaves very different up and go, but like you said, we've been you know, believed or led to believe this message for a very long time. So it's certainly about undoing that um, slowly but surely, I hope. Yeah, look, it is happening. And But it's funny, I mean, there was even, I think, an article yesterday that, uh, from some uh, dietitian from Australia. And look, you know, it was interesting. They were quite supportive of the film, but it, the, the criticism was that, oh, no, the film, he must have got the calorie count wrong because all calories are equal. You know, and this is a dietitian association. These people should be on the front foot and on the cutting edge of the science that's coming out there. And it's it's impossible to avoid the science. It's so prevalent now about this calorie idea. So I guess it's a little bit sad that that hasn't reached these people that are given powers, uh, like positions of power. That they should be up to speed with that kind of information. And it's um it's disappointing that they aren't. It's very disappointing. And I think we could probably talk about this all day. But two words are, <laughs> uh, you know, vested interest. And yep. that's a big part of what you share in the film about the sugar industry as well. So hopefully that will open people's eyes to what is actually going on behind the scenes. Yeah, that's right. Actually, a lovely lady. I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't able to squeeze in the film, but she said, you know, it's really great that we got so many lessons about tobacco. And one of the big ones was that once we started learning about the tricks the industry used, it really helped people to, I guess, get a sense of the playing field so that they had the power to make the decisions that they wanted to make. And I think we're seeing a similar thing with sugar. It's just, you know, we're not about demonising it. It's just saying let's at least be aware of how much it is and what kind of tricks these companies are using because then you can actually be free to choose whether you want to have it or not. Yeah, spot on. Now, the testing and blood work that you had run throughout your experiment, I know you touched on briefly with fatty liver, but I know that um, the results will blow the minds of many people as to how quickly the damage can actually occur. So can yep. you share with us just briefly what actually happened to you in the 60 days of 40 teaspoons of sugar a day? Sure. Yep. So I guess um, early on, we, you know, like I said, we, we, I really didn't know what to expect and neither did most of the doctors. And the real sort of turning point early was after 12 days, I think I had my first weigh-in and that came in, I'd put on three kilos in the first 12 days. And look, again, I... I think it's important to understand that previously I'd had quite a high diet of healthy fats. I had very little refined carbohydrates, so I didn't really have much, you know, white bread or bagels or pasta or pizza or anything like that. And of course I had very little sugar. So I can understand that some of that might have been um, water retention or bloating or whatnot. So I thought, okay, that's pretty, you know, that's pretty powerful, but okay, it could be a whole, whole lot of things. But 
on the 18th day, so after on the 18th day, I showed the first signs of fatty liver disease. And I guess that was the really big moment when all of us realised that there was something in this message. And especially because then the science was starting to really come out that this is what fructose in particular does in the liver. It turns to fat and then causes these other problems. So the fact that that had arrived was something that we, we needed to talk about. And then I think by the end, I put on 10 centimetres of visceral fat around my waist. So we now know there's two types of fat. There's a visceral fat and there's a subcutaneous fat. And the subcutaneous is more on the exterior, so it's kind of seen as, I guess, less less damaging than perhaps the, vis the visceral type is because the visceral gathers on the inside around our organs and that's when we see all this damage to do with type 2 diabetes. And so, again, by the end, I my ins insulin sensitivity, I doubled my insulin output, so it was kind of uh, postulated that I would be pre-diabetic very quickly. And my triglyceride level, so the, the fat in my bloodstream, went right up to the risk point. So I'd started very healthy, and then by the time I finished, uh, I mean, the scientists were sort of saying, to me, look, you need to stop now because you're right at that point where we, we don't know what's going to happen. So for the sake of everyone, you've made your point, but it's actually just time to, to, to end this. And I put on 8.5 kilos, and I put on, I think, a total of 7% total um, body fat. And again, you know, this is all done without eating any junk food, no chocolate or lollies or soft drink or ice cream, and eating the same amount of calories as I was before my diet. Yeah, it's pretty phenomenal. I mean, 60 days isn't a very long time. But um, I know yeah. you've reversed most of that now, right? That's right. That, that was never going to be in the film. It's interesting because we thought we'd end the film once I got those results. And then I just started editing the film, and I was also there's a book that comes with the film that sort of goes into more detail. I started writing that, and... You know, I was really doing very minimal exercise and I went to get my blood test two months later and we thought, oh, we'll just sort of film it and see what happens. And they'd all reversed. So my fatty liver disease had completely disappeared, my heart disease risks, all my um, insulin, my lipid risk factors, they'd all gone and I'd lost 90% of the weight just by cutting out those foods again and going back to my previous diet. So that obviously raises some terrific points for people to take home with. And, and also I think for me, the main one is that we need to get away from this notion that it's all about exercise and you've just got to burn off these calories that... Really, what we know now, and I'm sure you teach, is that nutrition is far more important. I mean, exercise is important. It's great for all sorts of reasons. But as a primary weight loss tool, I think we need to get away from that and start understanding that nutrition plays a vital role. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's great that you could experience that firsthand because, you know, it comes back to that calorie hypothesis. For years, we thought yep. we had to eat less and move more, which is thankfully not the answer because that's actually quite a painful way to have to live in starvation running on the treadmill for hours every day. <laughs> Do that, it's not like. No. Uh, I know how you feel about cardio. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not my friend. No. Wow. Uh, but again, like I guess, too, that we, you know, I guess it's, you don't want to, we've got to be careful with our language too, don't we? Because we're not actually saying for people to suddenly sit on the couch and just eat well, you know. We, we do want people to be active and get out and live life. And I think often that, you know, it's, by doing a few interviews, it's really interesting how, that we, we do have a great lesson to learn from the whole fat argument in the 60s, that we really threw out every fat. We just chucked it all out and said, they're all bad. And I just want to make sure we don't do that with sugar, that we emphasize that it is vital that we still eat fruits and we give fruits to our children, this whole beautiful whole food, because I guess the fear is that we'll demonize all of sugars and we'll get people who are just removing entire sugar from their diet and we're certainly not um, implying that that's the case. Yeah, I think it's a good point to raise, that we have to keep our perspective here. As long as it's real yeah. food... That's the whole point, That's right? right. <laughs> yep, that is the point. Get away from those processed foods and just shop the perimeter of that supermarket. Yeah, fantastic. Now, I absolutely love the education campaign. I know you've briefly mentioned what you're doing with um, 
schools. Can you share with us a little bit about the school screening program and what your intention is for the education? Yeah, so we, uh, in November, we were a part of a really terrific initiative that had its first trial in Australia. It was called Good Pitch and it was set up by Sundance in America. And basically what it did is it took seven films and we went into the opera house and we had to pitch our film for seven minutes to a room of about 300 philanthropists. And then it was like kind of some kind of supercharged Oprah Winfrey episode. People just stood up and said, I want to give $30,000. And other people said, I want to give $200,000. And they raised $2.5 million over the seven films, which was just an extraordinary day. But we got enough money to begin these outreach programs. And there's a couple that are really dear to me. And um, one is um, setting up a foundation, which, which we already have to do with the Aboriginal community in the film, who were really on the front foot and taking initiative. And people will see that in the film. And they were... The elders actually voted to remove full-strength Coca-Cola from the town. And so they then had their government, uh, sorry, their funding slashed by the government. So we've set up a charity that um, takes donations and then we're going to provide a revenue stream for them. We're sending up some nutritionists to actually help the locals there because there's a lot of the, the young women there want to learn about it so that they can work full-time in the stores and start to take people around and help them with their shopping choices. So that's very exciting for me. And also to do with the school, we had, um, so we've been able to develop a curriculum study guide for teachers from grade five to 11 that uses the book and the film. So as like a, a class, a term study where the kids can go home and they count sugars and they learn about the different types of sugars and where it's hidden in foods and labeling and all this kind of thing. And there's a free app that we've done so that they can scan barcodes and then the product comes up and you shake your phone and all the sugar drops out so you can see how much sugar is in each item. Um, which I've already had a test run on, and it's great fun. It's actually quite addictive to play with. And um, and then there's a school screening program, so we're actually sort of trying to engage a lot of principals and a lot of schools to come and um, get involved. They get a school action kit, which includes the, uh, the book and the film and the app and, and again, the study guide and some posters for the classroom. So that can we really target those kids before they ingrain too many of these eating ha habits because I think for some of us in our older generations, we might have kind of, locked in a few of these behaviours, but if, the hope is if we can get the kids young enough and get them to get the education to understand, then uh, we'll obviously make a difference and give them a healthier future. Yeah, absolutely. They're both such great projects. I was really shocked at the um, the community in Amata with the, you know, 40,000 litres of soft drink in one year. That's absolutely phenomenal no. that that actually happened. <gasps> yeah, it's very, very, very disturbing. And Again, look, you know, you look at some of the government initiatives that have gone in there in the last 20 years and it's all been about, well, just cut the fat off their meat. Is it any wonder that their, their type 2 diabetes is three times higher than the rest of Australia and kidney failure is something like 12 or 15 times higher? So, you know, we've got to do something now because it's already an absolute crisis. So there's just got to be something done. And I'm, I guess the most exciting thing about that is that this came from them. It was an empowered decision by the local people. This isn't a government or a group of white guys, even us, coming in saying, hey, this is what you need to do. They had made those decisions, and I think we really need to reward that because we all love empowerment. We all love feeling like we've actually got a purpose, and um, you know, they're no different. Yeah, it's such a fantastic story that the community then really took uh, took action to create that change. Yeah, And right. um, we'll pop the links in the show notes so... Oh, that'd be great. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, it's uh, May, I think maywirufoundation.org. It's just, uh, we've only just launched it last week. Beautiful. Such exciting times and I can't wait for Australia to see the film. <laughs> now, just a couple of questions we ask all our guests on The Real, just so that we can learn a little bit about you and your year ahead. Yep. So can you share with us what a day on your plate looks like? 
a day on my plate, gee, it varies. At the moment, it's a bit chaotic because I'm on, I'm, I'm on the run. But normally, I'd say I start the day with some kind of smoothie that usually Zoe takes hold of and it's got maybe some cucumber in it and maybe there's a little bit of coconut water. There's a couple of eggs. There's some kind of weird powders that she's into, whether it's some kind of maca. You know, there's all these kind of tinctures in our fridge that I have no idea what they are, but apparently they're very good for me. Um, I'll also have eggs. I'll either have maybe three boiled eggs to start the day. Sometimes I'll have it with, uh, like I'll poach them and have them with maybe some avocado, occasionally bacon, but very rarely avocado or some cheese. I might have some halloumi as well. Um, lunch is usually some kind of salad or snack on almonds right through the day or other nuts. I'm a big fan of nuts. And then at night we keep it pretty simple and have some either fish or chicken, occasionally red meats, maybe once or twice a week. Um, with lots of fresh green vegetables and look, Zoe's an amazing chef. I'm, I'm very, very lucky. She really enjoys cooking. So, um, she's very, been very good for me in that sense and really taught me a lot about foods and, um, I'm very grateful to her. But yeah, that's it. It's pretty simple. Um, every now and again, she'll make some homemade chocolates, but she'll use, um, like cacao and coconut oil and cacao butter and she'll put it maybe some, the sweetener will be a fruit, like some banana or some blueberries. And very rarely I have been known to knock off a piece of very dark chocolate and struggle to not eat the entire block by morning. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sounds beautiful. Nice and simple but nutrient-dense, just the way we like it. That's right. Beautiful. Now, what's next for you? What's happening for the next sort of half of 2015? Um, well, I think, look, um, you know, I do still do acting, so I've just done a couple of really sort of big jobs towards the end of the year. But I think really this year is going to be all about this film. I mean, we've, we've now sold it right through Europe and we've sold it in America. The same people that are doing Super Size Me are going to release the film through America. And, um, it's also, the book's also been pick, picked up in Europe. There's a German translation. There's an American version, um, of the book as well. So look, I'm, you know, I'm very excited about what we might be able to achieve. And, you know, people like Stephen Fry, who's in the film, have really come on board and introduced us to Jamie Oliver and a whole stack of other people who are very interested in, I guess our schools uh, curriculum guide and getting into schools in the US and in um, in the UK. So, look, I'm I'm very passionate about that. I've, I've worked so hard for the last three years, and I'm keen to see it through and 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 get it seen by as many people as we can. And it just keeps every day something sort of happens or someone approaches us that you know really gets the message and really wants to help us take it far and wide. So, I'm pretty keen just to ride that wave for a while. And, and thankfully. Zoe and, and Velvet, my daughter, are going to come on that, all that journey so we, we can all be together doing it, which is very exciting to me. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm just thrilled with how it's all going and how it's being received and um, I'm going to just enjoy it and deep breathe, which is not easy for me because I love pushing on to the next thing and trying to come up with the next idea. And there are a couple that are bubbling away, but I promise Zoe and my family that I'm going to put that to the side and actually just absorb what has been a very, very big three years and, um, and make sure I enjoy the process. Yeah, I think this one's going to keep you busy for some time. Yeah, that's right. It's like, you know, as you probably know, it's amazing when you, you know, I think the, the, the key to happiness is actually extending yourself and, and, and helping other people. There's something very magical about that. And, and if only people knew that, that if they keep, um, you know, they keep trying to chase their own tail and work hard for themselves and it's very hard to get happy that way. But if you can actually reach out and do something for other people, um, a whole new world unfolds. It's almost like the universe rewards you. And um, I think that's a great message. Yeah, absolutely. Doing what you love. Yep. Cool. So last question before we wrap up today, where can our listeners find you? Uh, well, the information about the screening tour and the cinemas that are actually going to... So we're, we're doing a tour of the country. There's 51 Q&As around the country in the next month, which is going to be hilarious. And then what's just amazing is that 
30 cinemas now who were showing the film because of the interest. They've agreed to play the film on as a normal film. So all that information is on our um, website. So even people that missed the Q&As, they can go and see the film now. Uh, it will be in the cinemas and they can take their kids. Uh, we've got a Facebook page. Sorry, that address is um, uh, thatsugarfilm.com. And there's a Facebook page and there's a Twitter page and there's an Instagram page. I don't think there's a... Um, a, a uh, oh, there is a Pinterest as well. So there's just lots of different social media channels and um, if people want to find us, it's not hard to. Great. So team, head to thatsugarfilm.com and check out the screenings and, and grab your tickets. So thanks so much for being a part of The Real Food Real and thanks for doing what you do. We love your message and can't wait to see where this takes you. Thanks very much, Devin. Look, appreciate it. It's going to be a big team effort. So, um, look, we're all in this together, so it's very exciting what we, we might be able to do when we can combine our powers. Yeah, absolutely. Great message. Thanks again. Thanks, Dev. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter, The Wellness Couch. Streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.